What is up, everyone? My name is Eddie Contreras, and you're listening to the Mexican Gentile Podcast. We appreciate you joining in and giving us a moment of your time. I know it's been a while since we've uh, recorded and put out a podcast out there, but today's topic will be on what truly is the gospel. I'm sure many of you have heard the gospel or think they know the gospel, but what truly is it? Have you asked yourself what it is? How can you apply it? Is it can you outgrow the gospel? Can you be too mature for the gospel? Do you need to remind yourself of the gospel every day as a Christian? And if you're not a Christian, I mean, what is it? What is it? I mean, you probably heard it growing up. You probably didn't. And if you did, do you remember what it is? What's the point of it? How How is the gospel the center of Christianity? How is the gospel the truth? And why? Why does it all matter? Why is the gospel the truth? Why why is it that important? Why is it called the good news? We'll be answering all these questions in the next hour or so. We might split it up into several sections. Stay tuned. And as always, this podcast is made to provide accountability, discernment, and truth. We always welcome feedback and questions on all of our discussions. Stay tuned. My sin against God. Yet I could not have failed this great God more miserably than I have. Instead of giving thanks to Him and humbly submitting to His rule of over my life, I have rebelled against Him and have actually sought to exalt myself above Him. Going on my own way and living according to my own wisdom, I have broken countless times either the letter or the spirit of every one of God's Ten Commandments. Thinking myself to be wise, I have chosen myself to be a fool, and because of my arrogance, God has every right to damn me to the everlasting experience of His terrifying wrath in the lake of fire. So as for myself, apart from Christ, I am bound by the guilt of my sins, and also bound by the power of sin, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. Apart from Christ, I am also utterly deserving of and destined for eternal punishment in the lake of fire, completely unable to save myself or even to make one iota of a contribution to my own salvation. This, everyone, is a chapter called My Sin Against God, part of of the book called A Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. Again, A Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. Such a good book. I love it. I encourage this book to every Christian out there. Everyone that's listening to this, actually Christian or not, I truly recommend this small little book. It's really not that long. Maybe 100 pages, if that. But it talks about what true gospel what the gospel is and you can never ever grow out of the gospel you can never be too mature to know the gospel no matter how many years you've been a christian or even if you are a christian please get this book you can get it on amazon you can i mean it's it's cheap nothing crazy but nonetheless My sin against God, 
as you you probably read that you can rewind it you can go back to to what the chapter talked about but it's the brokenness the brokenness of human human nature the human nature we're we ourselves are so broken that we are in enmity against god complete enmity against him i don't i don't know if you've ever thought that but most christians think that we ourselves are in favor just because we're born and made in this world and that's how i thought i thought i was very self-righteous i thought i was such a good person for most of my life why because i didn't do anything wrong i didn't as as, as by my standard or the standards of the world i didn't kill anyone i didn't do any major major sins major re- that required major repercussions at least here in this world i considered myself a good christian a good person and and therefore with that mentality growing up it gave way to a self-righteous attitude i went to church once a week i did my church things i read the bible every day i prayed every night i thanked god before every meal i thought i would preach the gospel to other people i would i check out line say god bless you once in a while whenever i felt like it i helped people i even volunteered at church i attended bible studies i even hosted bible studies heck i even had christian friends i did the christian trendy things i had coffee at christian churches i went to worship service i even played at worship i was a lead guitarist i i literally on the outside i was the christian of america but deep down was was i really a christian i can't sit here and tell you that i wasn't or i was at that time it was a hard time and this was only maybe two years ago and i I was i've been going to christian churches for since i was 10 years old 12 years old ever since i could remember but it wasn't up to last year that it the gospel truly hit my heart and to be honest i can i can say a hundred percent that i am truly saved now and that i if i were to die now i can be in heaven with the lord now i say this with confidence because it is by god's grace only and not by my own admission in any sense i will unpack what that means and what i mean by that but before we can do that we must understand what the brokenness of human nature is if you go to romans 8 8 7 in particular okay paul is telling the romans he's saying because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward god for it does not subject itself to the law of god for it is not even able to do so and those who are in the flesh cannot please god okay of course of course 
Romans 8, if you've read it, it, it's such a great chapter. You can go on, preach sermons and sermons on this chapter alone. But I just want to highlight that right now. Um, and, and I'll introduce the context as we go. However, as of now, I just really want to to give the understanding that it is not even we're not even able to come to God by ourselves, by our own admission, we cannot do so. We're so broken. The mind is against God. We are born deceitful above all else. Our hearts are deceitful above all else. And and I mean, in my head, I understood this for a while. And I'm sure many might understand this in their heads. But in my heart, I never truly understood this. Up until I had my daughter, I started realizing, wow, my child, my child, I have to teach her a lot. I have to teach her a lot of how to be a quote unquote good person. I don't know if you have kids or not. Or if you've been around kids or have um, looked at how kids act, but kids are not by nature the best acting kids and best acting human beings in the world. Of course not. As my pastor would say, they're degenerates. They truly are. It sounds harsh, but think about it. For for example, my daughter, I put my daughter in, in display and, and I love her to death. I really do. And I'm sure we all love our kids. But nonetheless, my daughter is selfish, self-centered. She wants it her way. And if she doesn't get it her way, she starts complaining, throwing a fit. She doesn't like to share. She actually doesn't get it her way. Then she might even hit kids. She might resort to some type of violence, right? Altercations. She screams out of anger and frustration. And she wants, she's very impatient. She wants things now. Right? Those are just a few characteristics of my daughter. She's my daughter. I love her. But I look at those characteristics in her. And guess what? I'm no different. And I'm how old? 28? How old is she? Two? We act the same almost sometimes. I'm ungrateful and she's ungrateful at times. I don't find contentment and she doesn't find contentment. I want things now and she wants things now. We don't get what we want. We get mad and angry and frustrated and throw a fit. We don't necessarily love people that or want to be with people we like. We we push away. My daughter, if she doesn't like someone, she will push away and not even attempt to come. Now, you might say, well, the, the child is innocent. Of course, they are innocent. They're, they're, they're brain, the front lobe, they're... they're um, their brain hasn't fully developed to be very comprehensive of what they're doing. Their self, their self-discipline is not there. They don't have the ability yet physically to do it. However, the heart of the child, the soul of my daughter is there. And nonetheless, her body, her flesh, by nature is broken. Now we as adults, as, as parents, have to teach our kids how to be a good child, how to share, how to be a good person, how to help, how to be around people, how to hit love, how to hug, how to not hit other kids, how to 
to not bite, to not scratch, to be patient, to wait, to ask with permission, to be respectful. And the list goes on and on on what we expect as parents, what is expected as parents to teach our children. So with that said, we're broken by nature and the scripture confirms that. Our hearts are deceitful above all else. Who can truly understand these? Us, our hearts, no one. We can't even understand our own hearts. We're so broken. Yet the world says, do what your heart tells you. How shameful that is to hear that. Um, People don't truly understand what that means. They really don't. Our hearts, our flesh, want what God does not want for us. Our flesh wants sin. We desire it. We want it. We fight for it. James talks about it. We don't have, we don't get what we want. And so we fight. We fight to get these things. We truly do. And so, so Paul's talking to these uh, people in, in, in Rome. And, and I will, I, I promise I will make another podcast on, on, on Romans. But I don't want to get too deep into it. I want to establish the main issue at hand. And I'm going by the gospel. So back to my story. I was raised in church for this long. And I did not truly know. I didn't know. I taught apologetics for a while. And I'm not sure if you know what apologetics is. But apologetics is a defense of your faith as to why you believe what you believe as a Christian. Or fill in the blank. And so... I even taught classes. I went deep into apologetics. I became very knowledgeable. But as a Christian, I was dead in sight still. I I tried to spread the gospel with truth. And sure, I planted seeds and got used at. But in my heart, I was still broken. So then, I went to the total opposite of the spectrum. I went from pure head knowledge to pure emotional experience. And as a Christian, emotional experience was something that I really enjoyed for a while because it gave me peace in my heart. It gave me peace in my, well, so I thought, but it was more so I was worshiping the experience of the, the church, the experience of what God would provide versus Him. So I was worshiping, I was idolizing the experience versus God. So... That took a turn for the worse because I was relying on myself for my faith, for peace. And then when I did not feel at peace, when I did not feel like I was able to be a good Christian, I felt, literally felt left out as in I was not saved, as in the gospel did not make sense anymore. I didn't, whenever I did not feel God close to me or the love of God, I felt I just was not, I was not worthy. I was doing something wrong, so I thought. So this past year, um, past two years, actually, I went through a lot. My faith, it went up and down, roller coaster. and And I can honestly say there was many times many times where I, I thought I was not saved and many times where where I thought I was just 
what was the point of it all? Nonetheless, the Lord never gave up on me. He never does. He's so great that He never, ever gives up on you. And so, so all in all, I, I found this great church, a Bible-based church. Now, you might think that's crazy. I mean, all churches look, look go through the Bible. Well, in fact, they don't. Not anymore, at least. This truly Bible-based church was great. It was awesome. It gave me the ability, the accountability, actually, to come to know the gospel, the true gospel. Not only that, God used that church to truly, truly make sense of why he allowed me to go to that roller coaster of self-righteous, knowledge-based, apologist mentality versus a experiential loving all love no truth type of faith and so i looked back now and i am thankful for those now it would i would i want to go back of course not not by preference but i look and and i'm i'm just beyond thankful that that i experienced that because now i can sit here talk about what that means especially because i know logically that many christians are struggling with this If I struggled, I know many of you are struggling or have or know someone. So my next point here is, so so what happens now? Okay, so I'm broken. I looked at both sides. I, I was self-righteous mentally, and then I was all, all experienced. And, but either way, guess what I found at the end of the tunnel? I found a self-work-based faith, meaning it was based on me. And so the worst, and here's the... the the catalyst in all these situations it was sin i was so broken in all these sin made sin was the fuel to my demise and so for the knowledge base i looked down on people but then not only that i myself had nothing to stand on because i was so broken for the experiential side of the spectrum it was all on me It felt like I was all on me. And 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 I was not perfect by any means. I tried to. I tried to. And the more I tried to be better, the more broken I was. And so here comes my next point is that as a husband, as a father, as a child of Christ, I the older I get, I realize how broken I truly am. And so so what I mean by that is The Lord has given me the ability, or I want to say the ability, but He's just shown me all my sins. Become I became very, I've been coming very sensitive to my sins, in which that is beautiful because I can see how miserable I am without Christ. I see that I oh I fall so short as a husband. I fall so short as a father. I fall so short as a co-worker, everything. And and to the world, they might look at me and, be, and, and say, wow, you, you're a great father, you're a great husband, you're a great co-worker, you're, you're a great employee, whatever it is. I don't see that many issues in your life. Well, that that's good and all, but in my heart, against the standard of God, oh man, I deserve hell. My trajectory ever since I was born was hell. It's always been hell. The wrath that 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 was owed against me was hell 
And it was because I've broken the law of God constantly, constantly as a child to the age of accountability to to a teenager to to even a few years ago, constant broke, breaking, breaking, breaking. And because I break the law so much, I, I mean, even with just one sin, I have committed the sin enough to send me to the depths of hell. And so, so, so I look at the world and the world says, you can be a good person. You can do good. You can, you are a good person. You help a lady across the street. You're good. No, 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 no. Those are so minimal. You will never outweigh your bad. You will never outweigh your sins. And I've discovered this way long ago. And even now, I truly understand that nothing we do, even as Christians, as Christians, nothing we do will get us closer to God by our own admission. Keyword, by our own admission, by our own works. But what you do. And trust me when I say this is we should, we should do good for God. For the glory of God, we should be accountable. We should be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We should literally be the love of God in this world. However, there is a difference. If you try to do that by own strength without the Lord's strength by His grace, you will fail miserably. And that's what I did. I got burnt out. I fell and failed. Many of you might be doing that. Many have seen people and many are probably going through that. And so you have to truly understand that the way to move away from guilt, self-condemnation, from brokenness, from, from everything that, that holds you down, from even your self-righteous motives, it is by the grace of God, period, not by your own works. As we read in Romans 8, we cannot come to God even by our own admission. It is by God who does that. He brings us closer to himself. And so it is in Romans 5 that Paul, I'm skipping through Romans, but in Romans 5, I'll read this. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, though whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into grace in which we stand and we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. So understand that it is by faith. It says Romans 5.1 is by faith that we're justified. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Really understand that right now. Really try to understand that it is by faith. It is nothing. Nothing that you do will get you close to God. Will get you saved. Forget what you heard or what you've listened to the world tell you, even as maybe may the Christian American church or the Catholic side of things, that it just you name it, every religion out there will tell you work comes first and wor works will get you to heaven. Negative, not the truth, not for Christianity. And Christianity is true. Therefore, works will never get you there. You will always end up in a dead end. Trust me, I know. And so you were dead in your offenses and sins in which you previously walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of power of the air and of the spirit is now working as sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all previously lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging 
the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, and even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with heaven, and seated us with him, with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the boundless riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. This is Ephesians 2, 1 to 9, or 1 to 10, actually. Think about this. What did I just read? I read everything I just talked about. We were broken, sons of disobedience. We lived according to the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh, of the mind. Think about it as children, as teenagers, we indulge everything in our flesh, of mind. What we see, we have no self-discipline. But God, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even we were dead in our wrongdoings, even when you were sinning, even when you were you name it fill in the blank right even when you were doing just that thing he made us alive together with christ by grace christ died for you thinking of you think about it christ is in the cross getting crucified with pain anguish the sense of everyone of past future and present all in him experiencing it dying for it thinking of everything you would have you did and you will commit said i will die for you all you have to do is have faith in what i have done give your life to me and you will experience the grace the salvation the peace the goodness of the one and true living god that is the gospel right there that is it He raised us up with him, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. That is it right there. That's the winning jackpot. Now, in verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. When you do something right, don't you like to boast? By nature, we all like that. However, this, we should, I myself, I'm telling you right now, I myself am not proud of my sins. Mm -mm. Boasting itself is a sin. So even if I do a good work and I boast about it in myself, I just committed a sin and I'm no longer proud of that anymore. So we're just so broken. If we look every corner of our life, of our human nature is just so hard it is so hard by our own admission we all deserve punishment but yet it is a gift of god he gave this to us as a gift he died he gave his life 
thinking of you. And all you have to do is accept that in your heart. Truly understand what that means. And that's what I truly understood. Because I was swimming in sin. And I kept thinking, how am I ever going to be saved? I think I'm saved. And then guess what? I lost after a woman. Even after being married. And I just fell short again. And I felt, I don't deserve this. I would go to church and everyone's so happy and excited. And I'm thinking, I just sinned really bad last night, yesterday. This morning, I fought with my wife and I, I'm coming to church and everyone seems so at peace, but yet I'm so broken. And am I, I'm expected to give a, you know, a smile. I, I just feel inadequate. These people f- seem too good for me right now. I can't, I, no, I can't do this. And I live like this. I'm sure tons of people live like this. I know that you go to church sometimes thinking you're adequate. You're not adequate enough to be there. Everyone's smiling, happy faces, and you yourself have committed the biggest sin in your life. So you think, And now you feel as if you're not saved. You feel that God is mad at you and disappointed at you. But wouldn't you know that many Christians, the person that greeted you is probably feeling the same way. And he or she is probably thinking, I'm just doing this because I want to cross a check box. And I want to, I have to do good. Maybe then will God be proud of me. And maybe then will I experience peace and the, the high that comes from, from the Holy Spirit. Maybe then, maybe if I'm just a good person, as a good Christian was I'm told to do, maybe then will I do that. Maybe then will I feel accepted and maybe I, I will be saved, hopefully, because I'm miserable inside. And then you look, I mean, sadly enough, you might look at the pastor and he probably feels or he feels the same way. The usher. See, the... the church is not the building is not simply what america has made it seem it's not a everyone's so happy and joyful kind of thing in their hearts all the time now i say all the time because of course those churches those people that have truly accepted christ and have truly experienced the gospel in humility those people are truly joyous on sundays every day than there and trust me the church i go to is like that and i pray and hope that whoever's listening that you find yourself if you don't already have a church like that a community like that that understands the gospel as it should have been as it should be as people in the god in the in the in acts in romans paul how these people understood it so i pray that you do and nonetheless my point here is Without understanding this truly key point, we will walk in our lives thinking that our mistakes will keep us out of heaven every, every second, every second, every second, every second. How many times have we prayed the sinner's prayer? How many times have have you... Have you heard pastors say, 
Hey, if you want to be saved, raise your hand, stand up. We'll pray for you right now. How many times have you prayed it yourself over and over thinking, man, I probably need to pray one more time just in case, just in case I'm not, I'm not saved or that wasn't enough or if God didn't hear me. I know this because this was me and this was me for a while, a long time. I did this. This was my testimony and this is my experience and and I'm I'm done with that. I'm I'm actually glad to say that I'm I'm okay with it now because I truly know that I accepted Christ in my heart by his grace, not by my works. And once saved, always saved. Now now comes the next natural question, right? Sin. What happens now? Right? So so if we were saved, wouldn't and if we sin, what happens to us? Why do we still feel guilty? Why as a Christian, as a true Christian, if you you obviously are not you don't have freedom to sin, but when you do sin, you still feel bad. You still feel broken. And I'm sure many of you, just as me, when we do something wrong, we feel condemnation. We feel unworthy of coming to Christ. We feel as if we just don't belong. So Romans 8, actually. Romans 8 talks about this. Romans 8 says this therefore there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in christ jesus for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death for what the law could not do weak as it was through the flesh god did sending his own son in the likeliness of sinful flesh and as offering for sin he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit for those who are in according with, with the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But for those who are in accord with the Spirit, set the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind, as we read before, set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So before you came to God, sorry, end quote. So before you came to God, you were in hostility towards him. He was mad at you. He was, you were God's enemy. He actually, as he mentions, hates the sinner in in, in Psalms 8. It's either Psalms 8 or 5, I forget. But it's one of those two where he says he truly dislikes the sinner and so as many of you've heard god loves the sin that god loves god hates the sin but hate it loves the sinner i'm sure that's how it goes anyway it's false because before you were a christian in a truly gave your life to christ god did not god it, it's you were broken before him there was his you were not covered there was nothing between you and god's wrath god's wrath is 
you don't want to be there. Let's simply put that. You you read an Old Testament countless times, heck, even in Acts, how God's wrath destroyed people, literally burned people. And so so ultimately when it comes to judgment, God will, God's wrath will destroy those who are not of Christ. So now I really, really think about this, okay? Because going to hell is not simply a, a party for everyone, as as our culture makes it seem, with cool people go. No, 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 no. It's going to be bad. It's a bad time. You don't want to be there. You will experience God's wrath to the extreme. And... And the only way out of that is Christ. Christ's blood will cover your sins completely, 100%. He is. The importance of Jesus is that he himself stands between you and God's wrath. And so he makes you clean in which you can now come to God fully clean. And God accepts you because he can. Because he cannot accept anything that's tainted with sin. He cannot accept that. It's not part of his nature. It's not. He is good. He is the standard. And so therefore, Christ, his blood, by his blood only, makes you the standard of Christ. In him only. Now, that is why Paul in Romans constantly highlights the differences between the flesh and the differences between the soul. And how the law was given to us to show us how broken we truly are. But that the only way to be saved and truly come to know God is by Jesus Christ himself. And so we are so broken before him that that it is that again, I don't know if, if this is making sense to you or not, in which I hope it is. And if not, please pray about it. But nonetheless, the only way is Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so important. That's why Jesus Christ is constantly highlighted because he's the only mediator between you and God's wrath, period. Now you are now, if those those of us who are in Christ now truly are, then we are good. We will always be covered by Christ. The wrath of God will never touch us, period. Now in that sense, will God be mad at you? Of course not, not anymore. Now the love abounds far more than ever. Far more than ever. In Galatians 5, verse 13 to 15, right? It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your brother or your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. My point here is to not use our freedom to sin. For those of us, and I'm talking now to those who are in Christ. Now, because I said, okay, so we are saved, forever saved, and we no longer abound to God's wrath. Does that give us the opportunity to, to, to sin? Of course not. I mean, Paul talks about this. He says, should, should we just have the freedom to sin? No. Do not use it to, for an opportunity to sin. Walk in the Spirit. 
And here, here's here's the biggest way to do that. Simply, simply think of this. If we truly understand God's free gift, we understand that you can sin as many times as you can, and that will still not separate you from God in the sense of salvation. Okay? You will not fall out of grace. You cannot outsin His grace. You cannot do that. Now you might say, oh, does that mean I can just live crazy and go on sinning and sleep with women and and just do whatever I want to do according to my flesh and I'll still be saved. I'll still go to heaven, right? Technically, yes. You, you cannot out sin God's grace. However, spiritually, I don't believe if you truly say that, I don't believe you understand God's the gospel i don't believe you are saved because those who are truly saved will will the holy spirit now abounds in them the holy spirit will help them will will it's almost as an accountability partner to keep them from committing sin now will you commit sin for the rest of your life of course we will we're always going to fall short of the glory now here's a kicker here's the difference is are we going to fight against it are we just going to give into it and this is where where we can more so guide ourselves as to okay where are we standing before christ here this is not to say that just because you're keep falling short of the same sin that you you're not saved no no not not entirely however it is more so of a warning to to of a guidance to say okay I keep falling short in this sin, but what's my reaction afterwards? And do I desire it constantly? Do I want it? Do I, do I, do I consistently lose all self-discipline and don't have remorse afterwards and have made it habitually a sin in my life where I say, you know what, you died for me, Christ, but nah, I'm just going to keep on doing this and pretend like it never happened. Do you think that? And if you do think that, Man, I pray for you that you do question your faith. And may you turn and repent and come to God. But but nonetheless, if you fight against it, if you hate it, if you still fall short, but you feel horrible at the end, you feel convicted to turn around and do better, to, to not want to, to you fight, you turn, you run away, at least you try to run away from sin and you seek God before sin. If you do these, then then there is a fight of the spirit in you. And 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 uh, friends, the only thing, the only sin that keeps you from God is the unforgivable sin. From what I understand, from what the scripture says. That is the only sin. It is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. The unforgivable sin is that is the one that you say, I do not want you, God. I hate you. I don't care what you did for me, Jesus Christ. It really doesn't matter to me. I don't want you. It's whatever. I'm going to go on living with my own life. I'm going to do what makes me happy. I'm done with you. That mentality, that heart, sadly, encompasses most of our world and that is the unforgivable sin 
Now, every other sin can be forgiven under the blood of Christ, but you cannot forgive. There's no more sacrifice for those who just reject Christ himself. So, again, let that be an encouragement to you if you're finding yourself in a battle between am I saved or not. So, now we've covered the brokenness of nature, human nature. We've covered saved by grace alone, not by works. We've covered sin and so, so right now, we're, what happens if you sin as a Christian? We're, we're covering that. So what happens when I fall short? Obviously, as a Christian, if you sin, you do not lose salvation. As a true Christian, I'm talking as a true Christian. Not, again, as we've talked about. And I must, I must, I must reiterate this point. The Church of America has done a poor, poor job. In portraying what a true Christian is, or were those who truly are of the faith. And I won't shy away from it because this is a call to come to God, a call of repentance. This is loving to do. I don't want to enable apostasy. So, again, for those that this is for those that are true Christians, born again Christians who by their heart, they've repented, they've come to Christ, they've given them to Christ fully, not by their own works, not by going to church, not by doing the churchy things, not by doing the Christian things, by looking like a Christian, talking like a Christian, by doing dressing like a Christian, drinking coffee like a Christian, doing everything that a Christian should do, right? Quote, unquote. None of that. None of that matters. None of that makes you a true Christian. Not even by your own actions. What I'm talking about is those who simply say, you know what? I'm just, I'm done. I'm broken. I'm in pure humility before you, Christ. There's nothing I can do and ever do to attain your favor. I am worthless. I am nobody without you. I am not special in any way. I just, I, 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 I suck. I suck without Christ. Those people who have come to that conclusion and then say, you know what? Because of that, I accept your salvation. God, I'm in pure humility right now because I deserve, if I were to die right now, I deserve hell. Please, God, save my soul. My life, my soul hinges in your hands. And it is by your blood, Jesus Christ, that I can now come to you if you've given, if you give me the opportunity to. I am in complete humility before you right now. Please, God, save my soul. I need you. I'm tired of this. Those people that have done this in their hearts, I truly believe those are reborn Christians. Those are. That is what a Christian, that is what a sinner's prayer should be. I truly think that. There, there's no work around it. Now, again, my point here is this. Those who have done that, now, what happens when you sin? Well, first of all, you grieve the Spirit. Meaning, you, God is grieved. Right? He, he, he more so is, he just I wouldn't say disappointed, but more so because he's unfazed, right? God is unfazed, but it's just broken. Expressive, intense grief. You know, more so like when my daughter, 
When my daughter does something that I just told her not to do, and out of not even anger, it's more so why? Why did you do that? You know, not not that it 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 surprises the Lord. Of course, He's never surprised. He's never surprised, but it is a form of suffering to cause suffering to cause just uh, that sorrow of. Now, we do that to the Spirit. We do that. And and so, is it disappointment? I guess you can say it's disappointment too. And so, so it's, it's that disappointment towards the Spirit in which causes separation from God in a sense of, in a sense of our walk with Him, in a sense of our, how can I say it, our soul, our, our peace, Meaning, for example, I'll put it in an example. It might make sense better. Um, so, for example, when you sin, when you fall short as a Christian, you will come. You you might you will grieve the Spirit, right? Number one. Number two. Then, after the Spirit is grieved, you will find a separation of man. Why did I do that? Of conviction. Now, after the conviction. You know, this is where it gets very tricky, very murky. And this is where, this is where the devil does his best work. Is after we sin. Oh man, this is, this is where we battle. This is where I think the majority of Christians fall and, and, and just stay there. In 1 Peter 5 it says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your, advers- your adversary, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So, think about that. This is this is a spiritual battle we're constantly fighting against. This is forget, forget, forget the physical things and forget trying to, you know, picture it in a movie as a movie scene, whatever. It's a spiritual battle that we're constantly fighting, even in our sleep, right? And so the devil is always, always wanting to fight against, especially those who are saved, because he can never, he can never destroy us as far as prevent us from join, uh, from being saved anymore now he just makes us suffer and be in separate separation from God and what I mean by separation is not salvation based but a separation in, in emotions in peace right because sin destroys that sin destroys our peace with God sin destroys our, our you know our our growth and we, we start falling short, we, we find condemnation, we, we tend to look for, you know, other alternatives, and we start going into the workspace, and there's so many avenues that can be taken once someone sins, especially once someone of the faith sins. And so, so back to the devil doing his best work, it's true. Once we sin, he attacks. Oh, and does he attack very well? And I'll explain how, and I guarantee you've been in this position. Let's say you fall short, you do something wrong, and you know, you identify it, right? What happens then? What's the first thing that comes to your mind, right? The first thing that comes to your mind is, man, condemnation. Man, am I saved? Man, is God mad at me? Man, is he disappointed? Right? And then on top of that, 
you then start maybe pushing away from God, pushing away from the church, pushing away from community, from those that love you. Maybe after that you start, you know, I don't feel adequate to read the, the Bible. I don't feel adequate to pray. And then you start resorting to other alternatives of the world for, you know, for peace, either alcohol, you might go into um, she's depression, you might go into um, seeking the wrong company, whatever it is. And we go a downward spiral. Now, mind you, all this being safe still, you can still go through all this. So, so to prevent that, what do you do? What, what is it? Well, first strategy is to know your enemy. Know who the devil is. Know what he does. Know his game plan. It's nothing new. Know that he hates you. He wants to see you fall. He wants to destroy you. He wants to prevent you from being at peace with the Lord. And he also wants to prevent you from spreading the gospel. He wants to feel you to feel such inadequacy that you yourself don't want to spread the gospel. And so that's his game plan. And he does it in so many ways, but he does it so good. He's been doing this for a long time. Now, after you know the tactics of the enemy, now know who your God is. Know who you serve. Know the God of the universe, the one true God, Yahweh, who loves you now since you've come to know Christ, who loves you fully, who cares about you, who is your father, who died for you, who gives you the ability to even be in heaven with him who calls you a saint who makes you part of the royal priesthood who sees you as perfectly clean in his sight now because of christ's blood who welcomes you always and who never walks away from you and so not only that but god almighty who can destroy the enemy in an instant says I'm here for you and I'm going to fight for you. I'm for you. I'm for you now. I will fight for you. I'll be here for you. I will bless you. I will take care of you. And so here it is. He also says there's no condemnation. Romans 8, right? Remember? There's no condemnation. And that's what he says. No condemnation. So now you fight. You fight with that. Knowing your enemy. Knowing who you serve. You fight against him. Now, knowing that the enemy cannot condemn you, the enemy cannot keep you from God, the enemy can no longer destroy you because your flesh, know that your flesh will fall short, but your soul is with the Lord. But here's the thing. There's repentance. And the repentance comes from turning to Christ constantly. And this is where my next point is, the gospel. Right? Constantly reminding yourself of the gospel. And this is where the, the book, uh, the, a gospel primer, comes in super handy. He explains constantly how we should express the gospel in our hearts every day, every day, remind ourselves that we're saved by grace, not by sight. Right? Because we, we, can, we can so easily fall short of that. Like I mentioned, the enemy is very good at that. But it, the, the more you do that, the more humility you find in Christ and the more peace you know that ah, it's okay saved by grace not by sight not by I'm saved by grace not by actions <laughs> and and so for example I'll read this uh, Galatians 5 19 
24. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, adultery, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, things like this of which I warn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Meaning all of us, everything he just said there, all of us are in there to some degree, right? We would, by our nature, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then in verse 22, he says, but the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let's not become boastful, challenging one another and being one another. So stop. Verse 19 to 21, it says, everything we fall short of. I can identify myself with, with those, with at least six of those, right? But verse 22 it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control there is no law for those and on verse 24 the best part it says those who come to christ has cruci have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires we who have given ourselves to christ now have crucified everything that our flesh wants and desires done done Verse 17 says, For the desire of the flesh is against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, in order to keep you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. And then he goes on to say what I just mentioned. Just, again, remember these things. Remember when the devil attacks. Remember that you're saved by grace, not by your actions. Remember that your flesh is... Your flesh is done and destroyed, but it is your soul that Christ came to save, not your flesh. Now, does this give you an excuse to sin? Of course not, because if you truly understand Jesus' sacrifice, you would not want to sin. You would not want to destroy the beauty of Christ, of what he did for you. You don't want to sin. Now, do you still fall short? Yes, you would fall short, and then you rely on Christ after that. You cannot outsin God's grace. So this, this is not a one-time thing. Constantly do this. Remind yourself. It is a strategy. It is something that we have to fight constantly in this world as believers. Yes, we have to. I encourage you to wake up asking God, please remind me of the gospel today. Now, the gospel is not only enough to say, it's here to just say, well, I'm saved by grace. Cool. Now I'll still be miserable through life. No, this the gospel will give you encouragement to fight to keep fighting encouragement to do the right thing god himself will bring peace to you in the sense that you've never had you will want to fight and will there be days that you fall short of course will there be days that you might feel miserable yes it's not every day as a christian you're gonna feel super jolly at least i don't but there's oh man but there's so much peace in knowing that one day I'll be with Christ and the troubles of this world will be no more. And I'm in pure humility. I'm in pure humility knowing that thy will be done. 
May God's will be done in my life. As he sees fit, I will do my best to glorify him. That's the thing. Do You have to obey. Obedience key is a key to being at peace with the Lord and growing with him and doing the right thing. Not only is, is it brings peace, but he will bless you. Now, I wouldn't say bless you as like a prosperity, prosperity gospel type of blessing that you will receive money, houses, blah, blah, blah. It's more so, can he bless you with material? Of course. But will he bless you in your heart and your spirit? Definitely. Will you find peace above all else? Of course. And that is by far something I desire the most is peace in every circumstance, contentment in every circumstance, joy. As First Thessalonians 5 says, find joy always, pray always, be thankful in every circumstance, always. That is a key to being at peace in, the, in, in this world. Pray constantly, be thankful, and be content. You can be content in God's grace. What more can you want? Right? And, and and I guess my guess word to highlight now is humility. You want humility. You need to be humble before Christ. Don't let anyone tell you that you can... And, and I guess this is where we get to another podcast... <laughs> So my point here is, my point here is be humble, come to Christ in pure humility. You are nothing without God, and as and even though it sounds sounds miserable, you are not. Not once you're part of children of God. Once you're in His household, trust me, you will not feel miserable anymore. You. You then now can encompass what the world tells you, in a sense, right? But now it truly comes. You are a priest. You're royal. You're part of the royal priesthood. You are a child of God. Now you are, once you come to know Him. But the world tells you this. Not being a child of God, the world tells you you could be, and you fall short so miserably. And that's why we see so many people fall with depression, with anxiety, with crippling, unfortunately, suicide. Many fall out of the faith because of that. They're told, they're, they're leaders, they're a go-getter. You can dream what you want and make it manifestation. Which, again, all this can be made into different episodes. And I will do, but... Nonetheless, that is what the world is telling you. And unfortunately, that is what majority of the Christian church is saying now. Now, for those that you really have to... It, the path is definitely getting more and more narrow in this world. And so we have to be open to this. We have to be aware that we have to go into scripture. We have to dig deep. We have to learn. We have to study and grow. We can't just listen to people... <laughs> I say you can't just listen to people and, and expect to to just you know grow and here you are listening to me. But 
how ironic, right? How broken we are. Lord help us. But nonetheless, I'm encouraging you to not take everything I just said by heart and run with it. Even though I am certain for for majority of what I said is it's purely out of my experience and out of truth. It is out of truth. It is out of scripture. But again, I want you to be trained and conditioned to not just simply take my word for it, but go and study. Go learn. Get the Bible. Talk to God. Question and find an answer. The truth answer, not a subjective answer based on what you feel, but what and what is written, what the Lord tells you. And so, so again, just want to highlight that what I said is not necessarily false, <laughs> um, but more so, it's true. It's out of Scripture. Now go study and, and take it in for yourself. But I just want you to be conditioned for that, because this world, uh, the the way. America is going the way Christianity is headed. It's not that way. We're not conditioned to do that. We're conditioned to just take everything, word of mouth, what people say, run with it, and run with our emotions. So, that's besides my point. Forgive me. I simply just, I go in tangents, just, I have so much that I would love to talk to you guys about. But, Yet here we are, and you guys are listening, and it's awesome, it's beautiful. So I'll pray for everyone who, anyone who's listening, that is struggling. I would like to pray right now. Lord, in the name of Yeshua, our Savior, I pray that you help anyone that is struggling with any type of anxiety, of stress, of anything that is keeping them from experiencing and from truly knowing your gospel you your salvation your death who you truly are why you matter christ i pray that this prayer that people pray this prayer with a true heart of wanting to know you coming to know you giving their hearts to you and those that have lord i pray that you give them confidence to come to boldly to come to know you to talk to you to know who they are and let us all resist and flee from sin from temptations that hold us back father let us be who you made us be become who you made us to become and move away from the godless pursuits of this of this world and pursue you before all else lord may we all repent turn to you we pray this in your name yeshua we love you amen thank you guys until next time Have fun, enjoy, be blessed.